Welcome to the Buck and Strutton Podcast, the chronicles of two unlegendary public land hunters. Your home for hunting tactics, strategies, and stories. episode two of the Buck and Shrutton podcast. I'm your host Dustin Rector along with our other host Nick Bellis. Today we're gonna go and review of our turkey season this year and we're gonna go through and talk about some turkey hunting tactics too. Nick you kind of want to get us start off and go into some of our scouting tactics and early experiences we had in the season. Yeah man let's uh let's do it. Uh so a lot of it with turkey hunting you know it it starts before season actually starts. Just like with anything, if you're really going to try to be successful on public land, all year long, you know, we always are taking note. It's a consistent process of scouting, and you're always taking note of certain things, whether it's deer, turkey. But for the really, like, the prominent scouting is those couple weeks before season starts, you know, you can – you can get out there early in the morning or late in the evening, and you can you can hear those toms start gobbling. Right. You know, they're starting to get fired up. But during that time, too, getting out there and just kind of going for a walk, walking through the woods and looking for scratch, looking for droppings and tracks, wherever you hear them gobble, kind of give you a better indication of where you need to be to set up. But, again, going out those those two weeks and just listening will tell you a lot on where the birds are in that area. And, you know, getting out there, hitting multiple different spots, you can really start to put the, the pieces of the puzzle together to kind of figure that out. But I, I, I think that, you know, Dustin, we, we did that a lot during those two weeks prior to season going out and hitting all those spots. Right. Really pinpointing where those uh those toms were going to be and i mean it it sucked turkey season was was pretty rough this year for us and but we were able to get close yeah definitely and i think it's just like you know as with anything observation is a very big key especially with turkey hunting because i mean you can get out to a brand new area you've never hunted it before you can go in it all depends on that's what the thing about turkey hunting is it all really depends on what time of the day you get out there that's what can make or break some of your scouting if you get out there high noon middle of the day you may not hear a single thing you can find a lot of sign but if you're in a state like us we close down at one o'clock right so you can see a lot of sign on the ground you can see a lot of scratch and you can think, man, there's a lot of turkeys here. But yet at the same time, too, though, that doesn't exactly tell you, well, are they in here in the time of the day that I'm going to be hunting here? Or are they here in the time of the day that I'm not going to be here? Or that is it an evening setting, a morning setting? 
and that's just one of those things, you know, sort of observation comes into play, like you were saying, getting out there, like those first few weeks before season, really taking the time to observe and check in, look into your surroundings, and getting out there early and do a popular tactic. A lot of guys like to call putting them to bed. You go out the evening before, you listen to birds gobble, you may return out there the next day and start listening to them gobble. The whole idea of this is we're trying to get the best idea, the best generalization of where our birds are going to be at. Because on a public land scenario, hunting turkeys, it's a very it's very competitive. It's a race. You get all these guys, they're gung-ho, they're fired up, which is a great thing. It's you got a lot of guys that care about the sport. A lot of guys want to get out there and do it, but yet there's a difference. You got the guys that are going to go in and do their homework, they're going to scout and do their research, and then you got the guys that are just going to go up, wake up in the morning, they're going to hit out there 15, 20 minutes before daylight hits. And a lot of those mornings, I mean, I would say we were what? A couple mornings out of the first week of season, we were there about an hour, hour and a half before. No, the majority of. Before the majority? Yeah. I mean, the majority of the time we were there at least 45 minutes to an hour early. And that's even just, you know, creep back in the woods to be as quiet as possible. And, you know, we, we had, for, for I mean, I guess we can just do an overall example here. Uh, before opening day, you know, we went out to this public land field that it's, it's, I mean, it's a mile, mile and a quarter to get back to. Yeah. And it's not like it's a flat walk. You're going up and down a holler, you know. So we crept back there the night before season, and we literally posted up on, on the field edge, and we listened. We listened, we listened, we listened, and we, we probably waited, what, 35, 45 minutes before we started one fired up. Then you know you hit that you hit that owl call, then boom boom boom. Yeah. You know you, you got a good you got a good idea of who was all in that vicinity, which I mean it was it was interesting because going in and I didn't even hear I didn't even hear these hens roost as no. we were as we were leaving. But going in we didn't we didn't bust anything up, and then when we left, man we busted those hens right out of that right out of the roost. They were roosted probably. I'd say 100 yards back behind where we had set up at. Yep. We had walked right through there on our way in the post up on the edge of that field. Yeah. And then, you know, so we, we left that night knowing where that Tom was. Yeah. And so now, you know, we go to bed. It's almost like Christmas morning waking up on any opening day. You don't really sleep too much. But now, at that point, you just have to beat everybody else there. Yep. And so, boom, the alarm clock went off at 3.30. We're in the truck by 4. We're at that We're at that spot by, what, 4.30, 4.45. Yeah. We sat in the truck for a few minutes, finished up some coffee, and then, boom, we're hitting the woods and we're getting up close. That's, that's a pretty funny story. Behind that, we opening day, we get out there. And, I mean, I'll be danged if we get out there and it don't look like someone's got a cell phone looking on their cell phone. Just a and light glowing just in the middle of the woods. Just a light glowing in the middle of the woods on the field edge at that. And we're standing there, and we uh, we picked a spot on the field edge that we could get to to kind of come up with a game plan just in case anything crazy happened overnight. And 
we we just uh, it's just a you know just kind of like a tactical spot that we could have the best maneuverability using the terrain to our advantage to call an audible if we had to but we're sitting in this spot looking through the woods oh man there's a light down there how the hell is somebody out here where did they come from there's really only one good parking spot like what what is going on right now so that was one of the things that you know we're sitting there thinking that we already got competition out here well truth be told the sun starts to come up and just the way we were standing the way the terrain fell it was a tower with a bright ass light x amount of miles away shining through the trees yeah and then not shortly long after that man that time gobbled yeah and it was one of those moments where i don't want to say he called us with our pants down but we were hauling ass to get to the next staging area to try to make a move on him. Yeah. And, I mean, he, he was the man. We cut, I mean, we definitely, we covered a lot of ground to get to him. And like you're saying right there, you know, when you're dealing with the boss gobbler and what we like, I was always taught and called the man. That's when you've got a Tom, when he gobbles, for some reason... All the other birds, they respect him, and they shut up, and they don't say a word. It's his show that morning. He's the only man that's talking. He's the one that's fired up. Everyone else that talked on the roost besides him, as soon as they hit the ground, they shut up. That was That's your just that's your dominant Tom right there. Yeah. He's on top of the pecking order. And we, we did. We covered a lot of ground to get to him, and we cut over that public field, and he was roosted back in the timber a little ways, which we were thinking at first when we realized that, you know, that's to the advantage to us, is we can see more than he can, and we were up higher than he was. But cutting back so far across that field, there we got lucky. There was a few walnut trees that were down on the one corner of the field, and He's still back in the woods, and it's almost it was almost in a millisecond. He gobbled in a tree, and then he gobbled again, and he was right on the ground. And I mean, it was just in the blink of an eye. And as soon as that happened, I mean, I looked at you, my eyes wide open. Oh, shit. He's on the ground. We got to sit down right now. And so, I mean, we... We did pretty good creeping up on him. We got we got about a hundred yards from him, probably. Um, yeah. It, it, what, what sucked was is you know when you we were talking about where we were sitting, we were sitting in those walnut trees, but at this back end of the field it was pretty thick. Yeah. You know, like you had we were kind of in the thick of it with an opening, and just how smart these birds are. Yeah. You know he he beelined right out of the right out of the timber, but he kind of J hooked around us. Mm-hmm. And he came out on top of that field where he he had the high ground. He could see a lot further of a distance. And I think that's kind of where we made the mistake of... For what we had, I think it was the best option. I think for a lot of guys' cases, you know, it's kind of a takeaway. Always go to where you have optimal cover. I'm not saying go to where there's the most cover possible because you don't want to you don't want to eliminate a lot of the shot opportunities that you have. Right. Because, I mean, when it comes to hunting public land turkeys or just turkeys in general, you know, you want to give yourself as much opportunity to have to shoot. But 
in this case, the bird having the higher ground, it's generally a rougher situation if you have a bird higher up than where your position is set because he's able to see and outlook over everything and he expects by nature, by right, the hen is supposed to come to him. But in this case, we're trying to get him to come to us. Right. And so he's sitting up there and he keeps strutting and you can hear, we could hear him spitting drum and he's gobbling. He's just strutting, spinning in circles and throwing his head every which way. And to get him to come to us, it was just, it wasn't a likely thing. I, I, honest, I honestly don't think. No. And that's kind of, you know, it wasn't a likely thing. Plus, we set them decoys up. And he, and you know, you got a story about that here. We'll get into it in a second. But we set them decoys up. And I think if we even just decoy placement, if we would have thought about that a little bit more and positioned them in a different way to where they wouldn't be in his direct line of sight. Yeah. Because, I mean, that, I don't even, just the way that the terrain fell and the way it was cut down, on top of that hill, he could see those hen decoys. Yeah. That, and why is he going to go to that? That's a big takeaway, too, right there. It's like, to give a good description of kind of what we were sitting in, you know, you, we have this big, it's a, it butts right up next to a piece of private. It's a big, what you could call broom grass field. I'd say it's a mix of different native grasses. There's also some winter weed out there, too that they come through they bail and they cut it but then on the back part of it there's a lot of buck brush and some higher up just native grasses less bediza blue stem and here we are we're sitting up against these big walnuts and between us and where we think roughly where the bird is there is a kind of a walnut cedar thicket just very brushy nasty looking clump just out in the middle of this field a little ways from us and we think that from the sound of him he was just right behind but we weren't able to see him but he was able to somehow see where we had our decoy set up right and just, for yeah for by his right i mean he's not supposed to go to them no, I mean, especially to him. the fact that you know he's, he's he's boss tom yeah he's the man he's the he's a dominant gobbler any hen in her own right is supposed to go to him right so that, you know, I guess go ahead now and where the decoys, you know, they may have heard us there, mm -hmm. but going into how that other Tom that you ran into when you were, you were hunting by yourself that day, where he, you know, I mean, he wouldn't come in. Yeah, I think this season has been a big lesson as far as like, with decoys for me because in seasons past you know I mean I haven't always used a decoy but I've always had very good luck with the decoy when using one in this season has kind of just shown me what can happen what can go wrong when using a decoy decoys they're very good if you're a beginning hunter I strongly encourage you know buy a decoy it doesn't have to be the most expensive thing it can be just an easy, simple, cheap, $20, $30 decoy. But the whole idea of a decoy is a reference point for whatever tom or whatever bird it is you're calling in, or even if you have a silent one. That's when a decoy can work really well. It gives him a visual, a reference point. It gives him something to go to. As soon as you eliminate the decoy out of the picture, now the great thing about not using a decoy is when you're calling in a bird, this makes him want to look he hunts a lot more 
but not only is he hunting by sight, he's hunting more by sound. Turkeys have incredible hearing. It's almost pinpoint. That's how good their hearing is. If they hear a sound from over 100 yards, they can tell just about where it came from. And it's crazy whenever if you just sit up without a decoy and you get to run in a call and you say all the words that are right, that whatever it is he wants to hear, it's crazy how close he will come into you looking for where that call is coming from. Right. But the advantage to using a decoy is when you're calling, and if you can tell that bird's coming to you, you shut up and you finish off with whatever finishing calls you want to wrap it up with. You can soft cluck, maybe soft yelp, purr, rake the leaves a little bit. Just make it sound like a real content hen. She's sitting there feeding. And the good part about the decoy is he has something to see and he will go to it giving you more leeway to get your gun up and get ready and give you a little more leeway to move if need be but without using a decoy it kind of eliminates the movement factor unless you're hunting in hardwood timber where there's a lot of structure and there's a lot of opportunity he gets his head behind a tree it gives you a little time to make some movements in case if you have to and this is where I get to where my experience this spring this is the closest I got to a bird this season and it breaks my heart because it was right on the edge of happening but it turned for the worst so had one bird fire up first thing that morning he was further down the road than the ones I was I had scouted the spot earlier before the season had heard birds there found sign did my research did my homework I got out there I didn't hurt it I didn't hear a single bird gobble up there along these two sister edges. Further down the road though, there was a bird gobbling over off into a bottom, so I figured, well, I'm just gonna run down there on the side of the road. My truck's parked here. I don't wanna make any sound. I beelined it down there. This bird, he was gobbling, and then as soon as he hit the ground, he shut up and it started raining. And then I was like, well, I'm gonna cut my losses. I'm gonna go back to my truck just kind of reevaluate try and see what happens got back up to my truck it's still raining I'm like you know what I'm just gonna go out here there's a small logging road at one time it's kind of got some it's got some fallen brush in it now some laydowns and figured you know what I'm just gonna walk out here there's a couple big open stretches looks like a spot for a good strut zone so head down a little ways while it's raining hear a bird gobble on the sister ridge that's just right across from it and i figured okay i'm gonna set up right here because he's honestly not that far i'm just gonna tuck in i'm gonna call see what i can do with him i was calling he gobbled responded back responded quick and that's another takeaway right there if you're a newer hunter listen to this if you're running a call and you got a bird that gobbles like simultaneously after you make a call he's a very hot bird that's also a very workable bird if you have a bird that gobbles you give it five to ten seconds after you're calling he's a little more hesitant he probably has hens nearby or elsewhere to him that or he may be call shy or he's the old dominant tom and he's just throwing a gobble out there saying hey i hear you but i need you to come to me this bird in this case seem very workable very easy very fired up 
I'm sure he probably had another hen come through and intercept him. That's a dangerous thing, too. You get to calling and playing too much. A hen will hear that. She doesn't even have to talk. She's letting her do all the work over here, and she's going to go right to him. So, in this case, that tom didn't work out. As soon as I realized that he probably wasn't going to work, I sat around for about another 20 minutes, just listened, and then a little ways down the same ridge I was on, I had one fire up. So I figured, all right, I'm going to grab my stuff, I'm going to run down so far, a hundred yards or so down the ridge, try and set up on them just to see what I could do. I get down so far, I get set up, I get to calling, this bird fires up, and I mean, he's hammering away, shot gobbling at everything. When you know you get a bird that's really fired up, when he gobbles at crows, he gobbles at crunching leaves and he gobbles at woodpeckers I don't think I've ever heard that before you get to hearing them big pileated woodpeckers yelp and scream and yeah he would gobble at that too but I got sat up listening to him I would call every 10-15 minutes mostly raking the leaves making soft content hen calls he was gobbling going back and forth gobbling in different directions and I figured that's all he was doing was just sitting there strutting so, I had my decoy, I grabbed it, I made my way, slipped in down another 50 yards or so, and I got sat up, found a small crest of a hill I could get down and behind, and I've done it before using a decoy. One thing I really like to do is take my decoy, and I'll put her as close to the ground as I can. So that way, if that tom breaks over the top of that hill, she's right there below it waiting for him leaving him only to finish those last few yards to get that reference point to get right there with that hen decoy, giving you a better shooting opportunity. So in theory, and from past experiences, it's worked for me, so I figure I'm going to do it again and see what I can work out here. Sat back, called, he kept gobbling, kept doing the same thing, so I tried a, a different tactic on him, got a little cocky, and I threw a jake yelp on him, which is similar to the hen it's just that it's usually about three to four notes it's very slower cadence it's a very deeper pitch i threw that on him and he gobbled with just the absolute just absolute sound of vengeance full of hate i heard leaves crunching and he was on a dead run and i could hear him and i got my gun up and i got it ready and then i couldn't hear him well all of a sudden i could hear spitting and drumming and here he come spitting and drumming to my left I could hear him I couldn't see him and I'm sitting there with my gun focused more towards the decoy thinking he ought to be coming in and he ought to strut right up to this thing and this will be a done deal all I could see was a beard out of the corner of my eye and then I could see a red white and blue head just stretched out looking around and then his head went back down he kept spitting and drumming I was like I can't move I can't do anything Otherwise, he's going to see me because there wasn't much cover between me and him as far as trees that he could get behind where I could switch around and get my gun pointed towards him. But he sat there for long enough and he finally realized, well, something's up and he let off a putt and he walked off. So in this case, my biggest takeaway from that is like when you have a very old, mature boss gobbler. He's going to see that hen He's going to realize that she's supposed to come to me. Plus two, by throwing another 
mail call at them, like a Jake Elf or even a Gobbler Elf, which is pretty much Jake Elf, and you just continue that on and on, you sound like a subordinate bird, which in turn, that honestly, it really pissed him off, <laughs> making him want to come in even more, not only get his girlfriend, but he's coming to whoop some ass too. <laughs> but that's where the decoy kind of bit me in my rear end at the end is because he saw it happen right he's he's seeing everything right there in front of him now granted if i had a jake decoy right there he probably would have came in all the way realizing that okay i've got someone trying to come in here and suit my girlfriend so i'm gonna do whatever i feel is necessary right but seeing that it's just one lonely content hen right there he's thinking all right i'm spitting and drumming over here you need to come to me she never does. He realizes, yeah, something's not right. I don't like this. So he goes off. And that's kind of, that's just my takeaway from what I experienced on that hunt during this season. You know, it's the closest I got to a bird. Definitely is a great experience. And this is a place that I had never hunted before, all public land, just by myself that day. But that's just my takeaway. Yeah, watch them decoys, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Choose when to use them wisely so with uh with turkey season wrapped up now what what do you think you're well i guess what was the most essential slash important piece of gear that you used throughout the season i would say as far as essential gear goes i would say you know a good selection of calls that I've kind of broke down over years past of my favorites and what I like to run, what I like to use in different situations. But other than that though, I feel like honestly, if you're going to do a lot of public land turkey hunting, you're going to be doing a lot of walking. And I mean, you're going to put in you're going to put in a lot of miles. Right. A good choice of footwear is worth its weight in gold. Now, are you, are you talking like like light tennis shoe kind of like you know good pair of lightweight hiking boots or are you talking something a little bit more so as far as to like my choice of footwear for this just in specifics like around here we get when it rains it pours so a lot of those dry creek bottoms you'll see during deer season or in any other time of the year a lot of those dry creek bottoms they become flooded and i mean down on those creek bottoms is great habitat for turkey so oftentimes I'm not trying to look for every which way if I hear a bird gobble across the creek and it's still on public. I'm trying to find a way, well, I'm going to walk straight through this. So right. a good pair of rubber boots is worth its weight in gold to me. Plus two, morning dew, it's wet, it's damp outside, your feet stay dry. And we're in that awkward phase in our spring where it's like, you know, it's pretty cold in the morning, but by the time it hits nine o'clock, it's... 60 70 degrees and feels pretty good outside so something to keep your feet warm throughout that cold stretch in the morning and then to go on and you stay at a comfortable temperature throughout the rest of the day yeah i think that's worth i think it's worth its weight in gold right there yeah I, a good pair of shoes is definitely you know that's something that you really can't skimp out on yeah i i think i i, I have two things that were very very important pieces of gear slash equipment throughout the turkey season the first being onyx 
or you know and that's you know everybody has their certain pick or their favorite kind of mapping app or whether you're using just your original copy of a paper map of whatever you know whatever you're using but onyx has really proved to be very very essential in a lot of different scenarios especially with with turkey hunting you know we get out to these these public land areas and it doesn't always just go boom you're on them right off the roost because you know they fly down the bottoms and yeah. typically how it goes around here we live in very hilly country so you 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 get out there you you hear the bird comes off the roost gobbling and next thing you know he's a few hundred yards down you, you got to call an audible you got to figure out how you're going to get on him or whatever the case may be so you pull your maps up boom it's right there you you can see the you best can, route to take you can you can do what you got to do with you, it you can really play the train to your advantage and know the train beforehand not saying you should skimp on your scouting right or your homework and really like know the hills and the train like the back of your hand right because if you didn't have that that's what you would be left with right. but by having access to this you know you can go even further to some of those public land parcels that you go to or even your like any private land parcel you go to if it's a f- area you're unfamiliar with you can use apps like onyx to your advantage right no that and that's like and that's the biggest tip that i can give for that for guys who you know if you have onyx make sure that you you pre-download those maps before you go out even if you don't think you're going to go to this public parcel you don't know you could show up to where you're planning on going somebody's already there or it's a bust and next thing you know you've got to call a different you got to call an audible, come up with a different plan. You already got it loaded up. Head out there. It's no big deal. You know, take that hour and just go through and download those parcels and maps so you can put them on the offline mode. Uh, the second piece of equipment, which, you know, you brought this up before we even started, before turkey season started, you know, there was a pair of uh, pruning shears that my, my girlfriend, you know, she uses around the garden and stuff. And you're like, man, those would be good in the turkey woods. Yeah. And so I snagged them right off the table, and I was like, all right, yeah, I'll throw them in the turkey vest. And I'll be danged if I didn't use those almost every sit. We went out there and yeah, trim, get sh- trim, trim, trim some shooting lanes, get some stuff out of my face. That way I can have more field of view. Yeah. But she wasn't real happy when she found out that I <laughs> snagged them pruning shears. You know, she was looking for them for like 30 minutes or so, thinking she lost them, and she finds out I had them, but. You know, uh, I think that's, you look at a lot of these different pieces of gear and it's always important to figure out what is essential to what you're going to use because we're all guilty of overpacking a lot of different times. But I think that, you know, overall, man, I wouldn't have traded turkey season for anything in the world. It was, it was a good time. It was yeah, a lot of fun. It was a ton of fun. You, you really can't beat getting out there and getting them owls fired up and having them yak back at you and just the experience of hearing a turkey's gobble as the sun starts to crest over the trees yeah that's a great it's a great experience you can't beat that you know and that's all there are some things you know we 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 gave it all we had and there are some things that we just we couldn't compete with and i've probably three or four different things 
being, you know, the stuff of COVID-19. Yeah. There were so many people out in the turkey woods and like, hey, that's fine. Everybody, like, get outdoors. all for people getting out, going hunting and doing their thing. But let me tell you, like, yeah, let me tell you, it makes things, it makes things a lot harder. Yeah, that's, you got to be, you got to be the first one there. Yeah. You know, that shoot one morning, (laughs) we got down there, we put a bird to bed, which I think that guy, I think he had put the bird to bed. Maybe he knew there was a turkey down there. Yeah. He knew there was a turkey down there. Never ran into him when we put him to bed, but we got there probably 30 minutes before he did, and he came rolling in, saw my truck. First day he turned around. Well, you know, that day, that Tom, he was henned up. Well, we said, all right, well, we have a good idea. We'll come back tonight and see if we put him to bed. Yeah. Well, we, we put him to bed that same night. Went back the second morning. I'll be danged if I ain't parked there for, you know, 10 minutes and old boy thought he was going to swoop in and, I mean, he got out of his truck. He wasn't real happy at first, but he, uh, he said, well, where are you guys hunting? And I mean, man, this is public land. We ain't deer hunting turkeys. Like we're, wherever they gobble, that's yeah, where we're we going gotta to. Go, man. That's, that's how you got to play the game around here. But he ended up being pretty cool. And he, uh, we talked to him, you know, and, well, I wish to do the best of luck, but you got to get there early. You know, there ain't no scamping around. No. Ain't no scamping around on that. Uh, early worm gets the bird. Yeah. That's the, the, that the turkey oh, say it. Yeah, the early worm. <laughs> but <laughs> the, you know, then we, we faced out-of-state hunters. Yeah. That were a coming lot, up from Arkansas. A lot of Arkansas hunters. A lot of Arkansas hunters. I was surprised when we drove past deep out there in the turkey woods and there was a guy with a california plate yeah. walking back to his truck dressed in full camo i mean who knows um then we didn't stop and talk to him but who knows i mean dude you're coming from california or visiting or whatever the case is man touche i guess yeah we got some prime turkey hunting around yeah. in podunk southwest missouri and then we uh we also you know the weather wasn't very cooperative it rained quite a bit which is springtime yep and then, you know, lastly, kind of paying attention, which a lot of guys, you know, I, I get a lot of people have mixed feelings about conservation departments and stuff like that, but you can really learn a lot when they come out with articles talking about how a season is going to be. I mean, that's their jobs. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, you have your conservation agents, officers that are out there to enforce the law, but then you have the, the wildlife biology side where they're monitoring the hatch or, you know, they're they're able to to figure that out and i mean they said that it was going to be a rough turkey season they did they said that it was going to be a rough turkey season due to the hatch from two years ago and it was there were not a lot of two-year-old toms in our neck of the woods yeah there was a there was there was a definitive line we had there was a lot of three-year-old birds and plus a lot of old gobblers and then you had a lot of younger birds a lot of jakes yeah yeah that was it it was difficult, but like I said before, I wouldn't I wouldn't have changed it. I enjoyed the camaraderie and I enjoyed getting out there, you know. Yeah. And now it's now that's over. That that marathon or sprint, whatever you want to call it, I'm I'm looking forward to getting back into the routine of getting ready for deer season. It's time to break out the the trail cameras and start getting back in routine of shooting my bow. It's at the bow shop right now. Yeah. You know, get the arrows fleshed up, start getting everything ready to rock and roll, and 
gearing up for deer season. Yep, I'm right Summer there. scouting. Right there with you. Yeah. Well, uh, well, guys, I think that this will wrap up episode two here. Uh, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed some stories and tactics from us. Uh, please follow us on Instagram and Facebook. You can find us at Buck and Strutting Outdoors. And also, please leave a review and a rating on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on. Uh, stay safe, guys, and as always, just hunt relentlessly, and thank you again.